Are you glad this morning that Jesus Christ is your living hope? A month ago I introduced you to our theme for the year. And I talked about these two words that are up here. These words have come to mean a lot to me in the last month since we first introduced this theme. What does the word alive suggest to you? We just sang about it. We have a living Savior. We have a living Savior. He's alive. And so I want this word alive to remind you of the resurrected Jesus. Yes, He died on the cross. Yes, He paid for our sin. But apart from the resurrection, what do we have? No hope. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that if the resurrection is not true, we are of all people most to be pitied, because we have no hope. And so we have a living Savior. And when you see this word alive, I want you to remember that. We serve a risen Jesus. That ought to cause us great joy. And the word come, you can think of the word come as a command. Jesus is commanding you alive. But as I thought about this, I thought, I want to see that word come as a word of welcome. That Jesus is welcoming you and me into his aliveness, if you will. It's because he's alive that you and I live spiritually, right? And so those two words have come to mean a great deal to me. And as we introduce this theme and as we continue with this theme through the year, the constant reminder is that God is calling you and me to come alive in new and different ways. And so I've suggested to you a theme verse for the year in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Sadly, I've memorized this verse in at least three different translations, and so I kind of... They all kind of jumble together. Anybody else have that problem? You started off with King James at the age of five, and then you shifted, and now... And so, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says something like this. If any man or woman, if anyone be in Christ, he or she is a brand new person, a new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And I want to encourage you in the year ahead to memorize this verse. And... We've prepared a little tool to help you to do that. Are you ready for a little technology, a little techie stuff? Yeah. By the way, I'm really grateful to Janine and Mona. I stuck in here one Saturday to kind of get something done, and I found them in here putting this up on the wall. And I just got excited as I watched it come together. And we've also prepared a little tool. On the back of your bulletin, you find a little, what's that called? An OR code, CR, QR, PQR, PCR, I don't know. Uh, It's a little black thing, right? Anybody see that? So if you you take out your cell phone, now if you you can't do this, um, I have a whole bunch of kids up here that I forgot to dismiss. I'll dismiss it in just a minute. And so if you need an 8-year-old, a 7-year-old to help you with this, um, I needed a 40... Are you 42? 41. I needed a 41-year-old to help me with this. So what you do is you take your phone... Just... just. You good with this? You tech people? 
non-tech, I'm not techie. So you go to your phone, can you find your phone on your, on your, your camera on your phone? Yeah. So if you hold your camera over that black square, right, what's going to happen is a little thing's going to pop up, right? I should have Tim do this instead of me. So I've already done it. So there you go, a little thing pops up, mine says gracelive.com, do you see that? Someone say yes, I see that beside the eight-year-old. Okay. And then there'll be a little little I've got a little yellow circle that I touch and it says copy, share, open in Safari, right Tim? No, I told you you should have done it. Okay, so now I'm at the Grace Brethren Church of Norwalk website. Anybody doing this besides me? Okay. And so if you hold your finger on... Oh, there's a series of pictures. And you can choose one that's going to come up. Thank Dave is helping me out up here. There's a series of pictures. And so I just chose the first one because I liked it. And you'll see our theme is there along with the theme verse. And if you just take your finger and hold down on it, you'll, a little thing will pop up that says copy. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> There it is. Uh, add the photos. I need an eight-year-old. I told you. Okay, everybody got that far? Okay. If you still have an old flip phone, I want to see it. <laughs> you got one over here. Okay. So you're going to have a little trouble with this if you still have an old flip phone. So where was I? I got it. Oh, and so now you want to go to settings. So, not to. Yes. Thank you. I want you to stand next to you. Okay, we're going to go to settings. If you scroll down, you come to one called wallpaper. Touch that. Everybody with me? And it says choose new wallpaper. Did I lose you? Anyway, choose new wallpaper. And mine says all photos. So I go to all photos. And I choose the picture that I just saved. Okay. So I choose the picture, and then I go back to my settings where it says... <laughs> Mine says set. Anyone tracking with me? And now you want to set your lock screen. And so you set, set lock screen. And when you turn your phone off and turn it back on... You have that image saved as a reminder. If you need help afterwards when the kids get back from their class, they'll show you this, right? I'll also be in the connect center. Janine will be in the connect center. She's not eight, but she understands this far better than I do. Kids, come and join me because I forgot to send you away. All of our technology experts are now leaving the room. So if you need more help, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Lord Jesus, we just want to pause and thank you for each of these children. We thank you for the privilege of entrusting them into your care. And this morning, as they go to class, we pray your blessings for them. Give them understanding. Give them insight into your truth that they might serve you and honor you. And uh, We just look at this group of young people with excitement anticipating future church leaders, future pastors, future missionaries. Believing that you're going to be at work in each of their lives in a special way, not only this morning, but, but every day. And so we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Right, you guys, you know where to go. If I need help with my phone, I'm coming with you. So where was I? Play with, play with my phone. <clears throat> so as we talk about coming alive in 2022, uh, there's different facets of spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, different facets of coming alive that we want to look at this year. And I started back the end of December and challenged you to come alive to God's Word, come alive to Scripture. You don't have to read through Psalms and Proverbs every day with me. But my hope, my prayer, my ambition is that each one of us would be reading God's Word every day. So whether you choose to read through your Bible, you choose to read through just the New Testament, whatever God leads you to do in your life, my, my challenge is come alive in a fresh and new way to God's Word this year. Invest time in the scriptures. And this week is going to be the challenge because pretty soon we're sneaking up on Psalm 119, right? And you know that's only 176 verses long. So Five pages. Five pages in Dave's Bible for his phone. Which one, which one are you reading on? So this morning, I want to kind of piggyback a little bit with where Pastor Oscar took us last Sunday. He talked to us about coming alive in our faith. And he talked to us about intimacy with God. And so as I was reflecting on that this week and looking at my notes that I took during the service, I found myself thinking about that whole theme of intimacy with God. And so I want to delve down into that this morning. In a, in a meaningful way and share with you some of my thoughts as I reflected on what Pastor Oscar shared with us last week. <coughs> Intimacy with God is the key to a significant Christian life. Intimacy with your Lord is the secret to a successful Christian life. If you wish to live a successful Christian life, to live a life of significance and service, somewhere in your understanding of your life, you need to consider this theme, this topic of intimacy with God. And so there's, there's kind of three thoughts that I want to wrap your, your minds and your hearts around this morning. Because when I consider the theme of intimacy with God, the first thing that I think of as I look at the scriptures is this. God wants intimacy with you, and with you, and you, and me. God wants intimacy with us far more than we want intimacy with Him. He desires it far more than you and I do. And the scriptures talk over and over again about seeking the Lord, seeking after Him. Uh, I just picked one verse out of Psalm 14 that I read earlier this month. Psalm 14.2 says, The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. God is looking for people that He can have relationship with, that He can have intimacy with. And in the prophet Jeremiah um, deals with this a lot. And I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, if you will. 
Jeremiah has this reputation as the weeping prophet because he frequently cries. And we're going to see that in chapter 9 of, of his book. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, weeps for wayward people. And I want you this morning, as we read, to understand that God weeps for wayward people. Not just his prophet Jeremiah. And so if you come with me to to Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, he says, Oh, that my head were waters, my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. So he's looking for a lake full of tears. He says, Oh, that I had in the desert a wayfarer's lodging place. So that I might leave my people and go from them, for all of them are adulterers and an assembly of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like their bow, lies and not truth prevail in the land. They proceed from evil to evil, and what? They do not know me. What a tragedy that God would say, my people, my people, my people. They don't know me. They don't know me. And I fear today that so often that can be true of you and me. That we worship our God, we worship our Lord, but are we really getting to know Him better? And so Jeremiah goes on. I jump down to verse 23 in this chapter. Thus says the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. Do we do that? All the time. People boast about their physical strength. People boast about their wealth. People boast about all kinds of stuff. But notice what God says in verse 24. Let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and what? Knows me. If you're going to get excited about something, if you're going to boast about something, what is it God would love to hear you boast about? Yeah, we know him. He says, boast, <laughs> boast that you understand and know me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And then once more in Jeremiah, kind of flip a couple more pages to chapter 29. You're all familiar with chapter 29 of Jeremiah because you all are familiar with verse 11. Everybody gets excited about verse 11, but it's interesting what you find if you read the context, which, by the way, is something you always have to do when you're reading your Bible. And so, come to Jeremiah chapter 29, and instead of verse 11, just back up one verse to verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. God's people have been in captivity in Babylon. Destruction of Jerusalem, taken into captivity. God says, when 70 years are up, I'm bringing you home. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. That's an exciting verse, right? But keep reading. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you do what? Search for me. Search for me how? all your heart 
And so as, as, I, as I read my Bible, as I reflect on scriptures, God desires intimacy with you and with me more than we desire intimacy with Him. That's, a, that's just a foundational idea for me, that, that he, he desires intimacy with you and with me. And you know, many people go to great lengths to get close to personalities and favorite people. You know, when Bob Hessler goes to a Dodger game, he wants to be down on the rail behind the dugout where he can get face-to-face with some of those professional baseball players that he loves and admires, you know? And I get that. Other people, they're going to go to a concert, and and they want to get up to the stage. They'd love to get a backstage pass. Be as close to Meatloaf. Is he the one that just passed away this week? Yeah, Meatloaf. I thought that was something you ate. Um, But people have this passion to get close to famous people. I don't know if any of you are like that. I'm kind of the opposite. I just, it's like, I couldn't care less. You're famous. What do you do? You know? Uh, So, my friend Scott Lawrence was telling me this story this last week. Scott is a construction project manager. And Scott, um, you would recognize TV programs that he's worked with that all involve construction. Uh, What's that uh, home, what's that big home improvement deal thing? No. Uh, Extreme Makeover. Extreme Makeover. Thank you, Tim. 42 comes through again. Um, 41. Don't go too fast. So Scott was involved. He's involved in these projects all the time. So Brad Pitt, if anyone knows that name, right? Brad Pitt was going to do this whole makeover thing. I don't know all the background what was involved. But Scott was telling me about Brad had to hire bodyguards who kind of circled around the property where they were building to keep people away because people want to come and get close to Brad Pitt. This is exciting stuff. I went to an Angel game last year with my friend Jim Hawking and Greg Johnson from Water for Good. And, uh, we were up on a third level or something. And on the screen, out in the outfield, they showed a picture of some rock star dude who I never had any clue who he was. But he was two levels below us. Uh, are those load seats, Bob, down in the field boxes, whatever those are down there? And so Greg and one of the young dudes that was with us said, let's go down and meet them. Are you guys out of your everyone's mind? They're going to let you go down there. Well, we're going to go find out. And so they jump up and go down and they disappear. And I see them down there. And of course, there's this big usher standing behind me going. And all you could see was him shaking his head. They came back disappointed. How come people have this passion to get close to famous people? But we don't have a passion to get close to our God. Why is that? God wants to get close to you. He wants to get close to me. Is that good news? God wants intimacy with you far more, far more than you want intimacy with Him. My second thought is this. Most of us, I won't say all, but I'll say Most of us are content with the level of intimacy that we have today. 
I think that's a fair and honest statement. Most of us are content with the level of relationship that we have with our God. God wants more intimacy with you. He wants more intimacy with me. But we're content with what we have. And, and there's an illustration in Scripture that just blows my mind. If you come with me to Exodus chapter 33... Exodus chapter 33 is the golden calf story. And you're familiar with the story where Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. The people are down in the valley and they think Moses is gone for 40 days. He's not coming back. He's probably dead. What are we going to do? Let's go back to Egypt. Let's build a golden calf. And so that, all of that happens in chapter 32. And so as a result of that, chapter 33 opens. You know, chapter 33 follows chapter 32. And so chapter 33 opens, and God is not happy with his people. No surprise, right? God's not happy. And so God says to Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses, Exodus 33, 1. Depart, go up from here, you know, continue on to the promised land. You and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. Now pay attention, something's changing. He says, I will send an angel before you, and I will drive, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And God says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, lest I destroy you on the way. So, God's been leading his people in the wilderness, right? Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, God's leading them. They're on their way to the promised land. We have this little speed bump called the golden calf. And God says, what? I'm not going to go. I'm not going to lead you. I'm going to send one of my angels. Maybe an archangel. Michael, Gabriel, I don't know. But God says, I'm not going because you're an obstinate people. Basically, as I read this, I'm thinking, what God isn't saying to Moses is, I've had it up to here with you guys. I'm not going. I'll send an angel to lead you. And so Moses, in verse 7, says he used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. It's pitched a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And it came about that everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about, whenever Moses went out to the tent... That all the people would arise and stand each at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. And it came about whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses, with Moses. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. Thus the Lord, are you following now? Get the picture of what's happening here? Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses, how? Face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend. 
And when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, what kind of relationship does Moses have with God? At least a 10. Maybe a 12. Maybe a 20. Moses and God have this relationship where they speak together face to face, just like you would with your best friend, across the table for coffee, eating lunch, meeting in a special place you like to be together, you and your best friend face to face talking. This is the kind of relationship Moses has with the living, eternal creator of the universe. Wow. And his God has just told him, I've had enough to hear with you all. I'm going to send my angel instead of me leaving him. <laughs> so in verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See thou to say to me, bring up this people, but thou thyself hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Moreover, thou hast said, I've known you by name. You've also found favor in my sight. So, I'm good with that. I found favor in your sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know thy ways, that I may, what? Know thee. So, here's a guy with a relationship with God. They speak face to face. Face to face. And Moses basically says what to God? I want more. <laughs> Is that gutsy? Or what? Oh, that's, that doesn't stop there. He says, that I may know thee, so that I may find favor in thy sight. Consider too that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. So God responds to Moses' request by saying, Okay, I'll go with you. Instead of the angel, I'm going to go. But it doesn't stop there. In verse 15, Moses says, If thy presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Basically, what's Moses saying? What's he saying, Steve? If you're not going, I'm not going. <laughs> like, wow. Gonna take my ball and go home. If you don't lead us up from here, I'm done. I'm going home. I'm not going up either. Uh, in verse 16. Then, how then can it be known that I found favor on thy side, I and thy people? Is it not by thy going with us? So that we and thy people may be distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth. Here's Moses lobbying with God. They spoke face to face as friends. Moses can do that, right? They're face to face. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and, have, and I have known you by name. That should be enough, right? Progress. I want to know you. I want you. If you don't go with us, I'm not going. <laughs> Moses doesn't stop there. What's Moses do? Moses says, <laughs> he says in verse 18, I pray thee, show me thy glory. Whoa. 
I want to see the fullness of your glory. I want to know you that intimately and that deeply and that well. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you. I'll proclaim the name of the Lord. And you know how the story is. God tucks Moses into a little cleft in the rock and and God passes by. His goodness passes by. And, and the scripture says it's like an afterglow. The, the Hebrew says his hinder parts. I'm not sure where that's going. But here's, here's Moses. He's got this level of intimacy with God. And he says, not only do I want more, I want mucho mas more. Right? Show me your glory. And I think, here's a guy... Of all people who could have and should have been content with the level of intimacy he enjoyed with God. But instead of being content with that, what's he do? I want more. Give me more. If you had a friend that you got along really well with, had a good relationship with, enjoyed conversation with, you had a lot in common, you enjoyed the same activities... And uh, this friend said to you one day, you know, I wish we could spend more time together. You know, I wish we could have more time to talk together. I wish, I'd really like to get to know you better. What would your response be? And, no, not happening. (laughs) Or imagine a young man in love with a young lady proposing marriage to her. And she says, to be together forever? Yes. For always and always? Yes. Every day? Well, uh, no. One hour every Sunday morning. God wants intimacy with you more than you want intimacy with Him. And sadly, my sense of things is most of us are content with the level of intimacy we have. Hopefully we're not like those who chase after the celebrities to get close. That illustration I shared. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that kind of a passion to get to know our God who says... I'm seeking after you. You'll find me when you seek for me with all of your heart. So God wants intimacy with you more than you want intimacy with Him. If you're on the page with me, you would agree, yes, it's true for me. I'm pretty content with the level of intimacy I have. My third thought is this. Intimacy with God. Just like any other relationship in life. Basically comes down to when and where and how we invest our time. Intimacy is the result of spending time together. And if you take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 10, a classic illustration for me of this is Jesus in the home of Mary and Martha. You're familiar with the fact that Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus were a frequent place that Jesus would go. It was kind of like an oasis for him. Oftentimes that their home was open, a place of hospitality. And 
And Jesus would go there often. Well, in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, um, it says they were traveling along and entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. Pay attention to that. Few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So, so here's the big contrast. And in any church, we have Marthas and we have Marys, right? Um, I, I will confess, I'm more of a Martha type than a Mary type. So here's, here's Martha, busily getting dinner ready. You know, she's got the pot roast in the oven, the potatoes are baking. And she's consumed with serving, getting the table set, and all the events that need to take place, and all the things that need to happen before dinner is served. And she's a little frustrated. Why? Mary's not helping her. Now put yourself in her place. You're doing all the work. Mary's parked over there doing nothing. Zip, zero, zilch. And so Martha's distracted, upset, stressed out. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, calmly listening to Jesus speak. And Jesus responds to Martha's concern, her criticism, if you will. Jesus responds to Martha, and what does he say? He says, you know, there's really only a few things that really matter. There's only a few things that are really important. Really, there's, there's only one thing. There's only one thing that matters. What is that one thing? <laughs> Mary's at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. And he says, Mary has cho- chosen the good part, the good thing. And it won't be taken from her. Literally, that, that New Testament word can be translated, it won't be robbed from her. Do you remember when we were, when we were in Mark, a year plus ago, and in chapter 1, Jesus is healing all night, he gets up early in the morning, goes off by himself to pray, and, and he gets interrupted by... Those disciples. Hey, there's a bunch of people that need to see you. Martha's and Mary's. And so here's Mary at the feet of Jesus. Listening, conversation, intimacy. And Jesus says she's chosen the good part. The one thing that's important And it's not going to be not going to be stolen, not going to be robbed, not going to be taken away from her. You see, intimacy is the result of time together. When I was in high school, I had a best friend. Alan Oakley and I were just tight best friends. I don't remember what brought us together. I don't remember what triggered that friendship. 
Um, I was a year older. He was, uh, you know, a year behind me in school at Brethren High. But we were best friends. And the thing that was most cool was my senior year, he was the starting quarterback, and I was an end. And so if you want your best friend on the team, you want it to be the quarterback that's passing the ball, right? Um, Alan and I frequently double-dated. Um, we, we just we spent hours together. And then I graduated from high school, went away to Indiana for a year, nine months, ten days, and twelve hours, if you're counting. <laughs> and uh, Alan was back in California. And I came home at Christmas time, and we connected, spent time together, just like we'd never been apart. Um, went back to Grace, came back at Easter time, you know that kind of thing. We had a fabulous friendship. You know, I called his mother mom. I ate at their house all the time. His mom made killer tacos. Um, We were like this. Well, I left Grace and came back to Biola. Alan graduated from high school and went to college in Arkansas, John Brown University. And so now we're separated again. And I think it was after one year there, he came home and then joined the Navy and... He was gone. And so over time, that friendship that was like this just kind of drifted. Have you ever experienced that with a friend? Had a really, really good friend, and over time and circumstances, you just kind of drift apart. I know Alan still lives in Texas. I know he's retired. Um, He probably still loves Corvettes. That was a big part of his life. But I haven't talked to Alan in many years. The same time in high school, there was this young lady that I was attracted to. (laughs) And I wanted to get to know her better. And she kind of kept me like this. She told uh, me later she was saving me for her senior year. I could tell you stories about crying in English class. Anyway. Please don't. (laughs) But the end of my junior year, this young lady told Alan, um, you know, you you can let Roy know I'm ready to date him now. And so uh, we had our our first real date in May of 1967. And we uh, dated regularly, what they call going steady. Um, I left for Grace again, senior, graduated high school, went 2,500 miles away to Grace College. And she stayed in Long Beach and went to Long Beach City College. But she wrote me a letter every day. Every day I'd go to my little mailbox and there'd be one letter in it. Every once in a while there'd be one from my mom. Every day. There was one day when I opened my box and it was empty. I got two the next day, so the mailman screwed up or something. So I, I, had, I had this communication with this young lady through the mail. And then every Saturday night, I had a phone date. And she would call me from California, and we would talk. And we did that every Saturday night for nine months, ten days, and twelve hours. At Christmas time, this young lady's father, who had just a great sense of humor, when she opened one of her Christmas packages, inside, rubber banded together, were all the phone bills for the last... uh... (laughs) So I came home from Grace, 
and went to Biola, and now I'm at Biola, and she's at Long Beach City College, so now geographically, this is a lot better, right? And so we continued to develop our relationship. I asked her to marry me, and in July, it'll be 52 years. What is the difference between my relationship with Alan and my relationship with Andrea? Communication. Pursuit. Yeah, you like that word pursuit? <laughs> what else? Come on, there's a, there's a simple answer. What else? <laughs> Time together. Time together. Either with letters on the phone and finally in person. You see, relationships grow. Intimacy develops because of time together. And so, if God wants intimacy with me more than I want intimacy with Him, if I'm content with my relationship, and I decide that maybe I would like to pursue, your word, I'd like to pursue a little more intimacy with my God, the secret to pursuing more intimacy with my God is... More, there you go, Eddie, you hit it. More time together. And so, it all comes down to priorities and choices. Most of life, by the way, is the result of choices. What you choose to do or don't choose to do. Choices that you make. And so, I have a list and it's going to be up on the screen for you here in a minute. How do I get more intimate with my God? Um, I've got a series of C words. My first C word is choose. Make a choice. Decide to get more intimate with the Lord. Make a conscious decision. I'm going to do that. I want to know my God better. My second thought is, make a covenant with God. Ask Him, pursue Him, ask for greater intimacy. Is that a prayer God wants to answer? For sure. Covenant with God. I, I want to pursue. I want, I want greater intimacy. He wants that more than you do. Um, my third word is the word concrete. Write it down. Make it a written down goal. Keep it in front of your eyes. And that's a little bit of our purpose in that little home screen. Keep it in front of your eyes. Come alive. Come alive. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new person. Make it a written goal. Keep it in front of your eyes. I'm going to invest time and get to know my God better. Um, consistency. Regular, consistent attendance at both public worship and private worship. You know, it's one thing to come here on Sunday morning and spend time with the Lord, if you will, in the midst of a group of people. But it's another thing, just in the quietness and a quiet place in your home or someplace. Um, sometimes it's you know, I found for me, being at home was always a major distraction. And so I frequently would go find other places where I could be alone. Just me and the Lord. But find a spot, find a place. Be consistent. 
Be consistent here. Be consistent privately, personally. Um, Concentrate. Read, meditate, study scriptures that point to intimacy with the Lord. Look for some of those passages that talk about seeking the Lord and finding Him. The Psalms are filled with that theme. If you're reading through the Psalms with me this year, uh, just look for those verses. Underline them, circle them, put a mark in the margin or something. Find a couple of verses that talk about intimacy and, and memorize them. You know, take that, that last verse in Luke 10, Mary's chosen the good part. It's not going to be taken from her. You know, find some thoughts like that that you can kind of wrap your heart and your, your mind around. Um, commit to daily Bible reading, prayer, and personal worship. Spending time with the Lord every day. When I was studying with Ray Comfort several years ago, he had a, a line that I really appreciated. He said, no breakfast, no, or no, no breakfast, no Bible. You know, Bible first and then breakfast. Bible first and then breakfast. That's a tough one sometimes. Daily time reading my Bible, praying, personal worship. Uh, my seventh word is compact. Ask somebody to hold you accountable. It might be your, your spouse. It might be a friend. Um, but ask someone, hey, I want you to check up on me. I've made this commitment that I'm going to spend time every day in the Bible. I'm going to spend a, a time alone with the Lord every day to get to know Him better. Uh, the Lord and I have got this agreement going, but it, I think it would help me if I had someone who was just checking up on me and I knew you were going to call me or ask me. Um, just, just knowing that phone call is going to come sometimes uh, helps you to get up a few minutes earlier before breakfast. And, and spend time with the Lord. Uh, my last word is the word compare. Find someone who models intimacy with God. And learn from that person. It might be reading biographies. I love reading biographies. Some of the, some of the great saints of old model uh, intimacy with God. Uh, it might be someone right here in our church family. It might be a family member of yours. But find someone and Learn from them. You know, this, this whole thing of intimacy reminds me that there's a point in time where relationship with the eternal God begins. And I never like to assume that everybody sitting in front of me has initiated relationship with the living God. And as I read my Bible, what I'm impressed with is that the living God, the creator of the universe, wants relationship with me and he wants relationship with you. And for many on our planet, they haven't initiated relationship with God. And I always want to suggest, as we gather together, that it's possible that someone here in our midst has never initiated relationship with God. And so it's important to understand that God wants relationship with us. God wants relationship. And the challenge for you and me is, we, this one that wants relationship with us is holy, righteous, pure, so holy he can't look on sin. And here we are as distant, 
disobedient. God used the word obstinate of his people in the wilderness. And it's that, 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 that distance creating disobedience and sin that separates us from God and hinders relationship. And that's why God calls us to come into relationship with Him, to come alive, if you will, in a, in a fresh and new way. And we come alive in, in, in Jesus when we understand that it's our sin that separates us from God. And we come to a point in our life where we understand that and we acknowledge that to God. And we turn from our sin, what the Bible calls repentance. We turn from our sin and turn to the Lord and put our faith and trust in Him. His sacrifice for sin is death on the cross. His resurrection, where I started our time together. And if you've not yet begun that journey of relationship with the eternal God, I always encourage people, just just take a look at the, the fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospel of John. Start reading that and asking God to reveal himself to you. He will do that. Having a relationship with the eternal God is so critically important. George Harrison, that member of the Beatles back in the 60s, who was the one that kind of had the religious bent, he was traveling the world as opportunity was available to him, meeting with religious leaders, trying to discover truth. And one of the things that George Harrison said that has stuck with me is he said, everything else in life can wait except the search for God. That cannot wait. We need to have a little bit of that kind of urgency as we pursue relationship with God. What if the whole purpose of life is to know God in a very real and a very personal way, and you missed it? Wouldn't that be a tragedy? And some of you are not. It would be a tragedy. It would. It would. And so this morning, I ask you three questions. How's your level of intimacy with your your God, your Lord? If you were going to put that on a scale of one to ten, how how would you value the kind of where you are? You know, if you put Moses and Mary down here at a ten, right? And, you know, where where are you at on that scale? And are you content with where you are? And if you are content, maybe that's something you need to talk about, right? What's one thing you could do this week to get more intimate with God? I gave you a list of eight that uh, Dave had up there. I think they were up there. I didn't turn around and look. But maybe there's something on that list that you could take a look at. What's one thing? Not eight. One. What's one thing you could do this week to come alive to intimacy with God? That 2022 would be the year of pursuing Intimacy with the Lord. Lord, make that our heart's ambition. We confess we don't want it nearly as much as much as you do. We confess that so much of life distracts us from knowing you better. 
So much of life distracts us from spending time with you. And so I pray this morning that many of us would make a choice, make a decision to get more intimate with you, to pursue relationship. Lord, we lack the strength to do that. We lack the ability to do that. We lack oftentimes the simple desire to do that. And so I pray as you spoke through Jeremiah, give us a heart to know you. Give us hearts to know you. Is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus is alive. We just we just sang that again. And David's alive and lifted high. And he invites you and me to come alive. And I want that to be our focus in the months that lie before us. we got some birthday people this week. Uh, Tommy Miller has a birthday tomorrow. So a happy birthday to him. Mary Robinson has a birthday on Tuesday, the 25th, so happy birthday to Mary this week. Yolanda has a birthday on the 26th, so happy birthday to Yolanda. And then Annabella Morales has a birthday also on the 26th, so she's probably not in here. But, uh, let me just remind you in your bulletin, you've got an insert about upcoming events for women. A lot of exciting stuff planned in the next couple of months. You want to take a look at that. And of course, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. There's a reminder every year our youth do a fundraiser with Valentine cookies. And there's a instruction there how to order some. I suspect you could probably even order them back at the Connection Center. Just fill this out and turn it in there. And somehow it will get from Janine to Tim, I think, maybe in time. Um, that that will happen. So do that. We have our meeting right after the service, about 10 minutes from now. Uh, we're going to gather together and uh, talk together and vote together as uh, we affirm Oscar as our new pastor. We're going to meet in the first classroom right here, so you want to come. Those of you that are online, we're prepared to be available on Zoom. I, that link is in the bulletin, I think, so if you are online and go to our website, find the link there. Does that work, Tim? Like giving good instructions? Okay, so you should have received an email, not go to the bulletin. That email will have the link. So join us on Zoom, and uh, we'll look forward to having you participate with us that way as well. So let's go forth this week. Uh, a quote that I didn't share with you a few moments ago. Knowing God personally is not too difficult for anyone who wants it. We ourselves can do so little to build intimacy, for God himself is too good at it. We can only allow ourselves to be distracted from it. So as you go into your week, guard yourself from those distractions that keep you from getting to know your God better. Guard your hearts. Have a great week and join us for our meeting.